Welcome to the Down to Business Podcast with Alex Kirby, where entrepreneurs and small businesses come to stretch themselves and grow their company. From interviews to in-depth discussions, you'll learn how to market effectively, increase profits, and become the leader your company needs you to be. Now, let's get down to business. Well, hello, everybody. This is Alex Kirby, host of the Down to Business Podcast. We want to thank Mr. Mason Zandy for being our interviewee and guest on the show today. Mason, how are we today, man? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. You're welcome. I'm, I'm watching you on Zoom as we talk, and you have a beautiful uh, picture behind you of a, it looks like a cheetah. So you are doing good because cheetahs are awesome. But anyways, Mason, <laughs> I appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, I'm really excited. Today's episode, guys, we're going to be talking about how to protect your business. And in if you're a new listener, if you're uh, recurring, you guys know that on the Down in Business podcast, we talk about um, how to help you in the areas of business, finance, and marketing. And today, this one's going to be focused on business, obviously. This is not a sexy, um, very attractive you know, thing to talk about, but it's probably one of the more important subjects uh, to be protected in and, and, and understand and, and have some type of grasp of your situation. And Mason is a former, I'm going to talk about you a little bit, Mason. He's a former uh, South Carolina, University of South Carolina Gamecock football player. Um, absolutely, you know, had a great career there, Mason. Uh, going from, weren't you a preferred, were you a preferred walk-on or you were lightly recruited and then you just worked your way into the rotation? I was very lightly recruited. I only had yeah. two offers. Yeah, and, and then you uh, ended up starting on and off for two. I mean, you started full-time pretty much two years, right? Yep. I started 27 games, played in over 60. Yeah, yeah I knew that. I knew that. I'm a, I'm a huge Gamecock fan, as you know. I have season tickets to basketball, so... Um, Mason and I went to high school together and he, uh, now he has twin babies married and he is now a commercial risk manager and account manager, uh, for Brown and Brown. And so Mason is absolutely qualified to talk about, um, how to protect your business when it comes to workers comp, um, insurances and, and all those things. So Mason, again, thank you. And, and kind of share just a little bit about your journey. Um, now that I've introduced you, Mason, just share about your journey going, going from, college to how you got into this and, and anything in between? Yeah. So, you know, graduated from South Carolina in 2016. Um, you know, got an opportunity to go play for Los Angeles Chargers for a little while. I was there long enough to have a cup of coffee at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the dreaded uh, locker room doomsday came and yeah. I had to turn in my stuff, turn in my cleats. And that's when I decided to to hang my cleats up permanently. And kind of bounced around trying to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Uh, and I found, I found Brown and Brown through a former teammate, Perry Orth uh, introduced me uh, to the company and, and it's been an absolutely amazing experience. I, I've, I haven't felt more at home here um, than I have when I was at South Carolina. So wow. I'm, I'm very grateful to be where I am. Man, look at Perry. That's uh yeah, we talk about this a lot on the show, networking and who you know and how to make those relationships work for you, not in a taking advantage way, but leveraging them, right? And you're talking about a dude you played football with who got you a job that has literally changed your life. So that's pretty amazing, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, he. so funny little backstory to that is I was in a different role, um, but still in a sales role for the most part or pro- production role. And uh he met, he texts me one day. He goes, Hey man, you, you beat me out of the office every single morning. You're already in the office 
when I'm just now leaving my house. He's like, you got to come work for Brown and Brown that, you know, you, we can do, we can do some good with that. And mm. so then I interviewed with the, with the folks here and in, in the Charleston and Columbia offices and man, I'm, I'm not looking back. It's been great. That's awesome. Perry Orth. What a great, great story for him, but we won't get into that. Um, so Mason, let's talk about th- the market first. Okay. Everything is going crazy right now. As we know in the world, gas prices, I saw on the news yesterday, six, $7 in California. Um, everything's up, you know, 50%, 100% crazy. Um, what's the markets looking like pricing wise, fluctuation, health, you know, kind of talk about, cause I don't know much about the markets. For example, I know that <clears throat> I have, I pay a lot on workers comp and I have to, and I pay a lot for GL general liability and all these umbrella policies, but put it, put for people who are listening and like, what the heck y'all talking about? Talk about the market analysis, and then we'll hop into the tech technical side of this uh, insurance conversation. Sure. Uh, Alex, man, I wish I had some better news for you, but unfortunately, the insurance market is also what we call a hardening market. Um, it, and it fluctuates just like the economy does. So currently, we're experiencing rates um, as high as they were post 9-11. Um, just what plays a role in that is, is a lot of catastrophic losses. So that's your floods, hurricanes, wildfires. Um, obviously, we know that we've had a ton of uh, some tornadoes last December. The wildfires in California went off. Um, and then when, we, when we're looking at more from a, uh, a casualty side, you know, the, the auto industry before, and I got it pulled up right here, um, the million dollar verdicts for trucking companies, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2007 to 2011, there wasn't a $100 million verdict ever. Hadn't been recorded. And since then, that's increased to nearly 5 to 7% of all verdicts in the trucking industry are, are $100 million verdicts. So th- these large, um, one large issues of, that are coming One out up, of 20? One out of 20 is now $100 million? Yeah, and the trucking industry. So that's not just you know your regular know, autos. It's more like insane. Ball, heavy ball. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a combination of a few things. So there's 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 driver shortages. So we may not always have the best quality people behind the wheel. Um, you have a lot of the distracted driving issues mm-hmm. that are happening. So texting and driving, messing with the, with your cell phone in any capacity while operating an eighteen wheeler is extremely dangerous. Um, marijuana legalization has played uh. a role in that in some states. Um, and, and then just the, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit, Alex, the increased cost of just doing business. Yeah. So there's an increased cost on repairs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting the parts in, getting them, mani- getting the manufactured and, and brought into the States or just sourced within the United States, those repair costs have gone through the roof. Man. Um, and the market as a whole right now, what I'm seeing and what we're seeing uh, um, at Brown and Brown is almost every line of coverage is increasing. Workers' comp has stayed relatively steady, and we've actually seen a little bit of softening in the workers' comp world. Yeah, because right there's now. less workers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, definitely could, that definitely plays a role in it. But um, in in a lot of the other lines, you know, one 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 in particular that we're seeing just and have normal uptick in premium is the cyber world. Cyber, so cybersecurity and stuff. Cybersecurity, exactly. So these companies that are tasked with maintaining information, sensitive personal information, financial information, and so forth, 
they're, they're a target of, of uh, cyber war or cyber warfare, however you want to say it, or cyber attacks. And the, the premium is just jumping because these verdicts are, are massive. If someone breaks in and gets, gets a hold of fiduciary information for a company that's holding a lot of sensitive information for, for their clients and is able to exploit that, it's almost, there's no way to quantify it. There's no way to say, here, here's yeah. the dollar amount that's going to cover this. Right. It's like when you drop oil into the ocean, you have no idea how far it's going to spread and what it's going to affect. That's a, that's a, I want to actually hit on that. I've never even thought about this subject. What in the world do we do? I actually had an alert on my computer the other day that said you're, you know, you're susceptible to cyber. Something got leaked in one of my accounts, whether QuickBooks or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, what do we do about that in the future? Because like you can't just keep pouring money into a a, a wall, a, a, a internet wall, so to speak, that's breakable every time. And then that's that's where. You know, that's really that exact question, Alex, is what's driving the increase in premium. That makes sense. It's not quantifiable. Yeah, it's not. Um, unfortunately, you know, we have one of our one of our senior guys in our Greenville office. He he says it almost weekly. If your clients purchase a cyber insurance, double it. Just make sure you double it because it, it, at any point, the same people that are causing the 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 mayhem and causing all the the incidents to happen are the same people that are trying to defend you that are trying to strengthen your cyber walls, strengthen your cybersecurity in general. So it's really just a, a battle that we can't see or quantify that's mm-hmm. going on between good and bad. We need to figure that out in the future. If there's some type of software that's literally impenetrable, I don't know what the answer is for that. But that's a scary reality. Like you said, there's no like physical thing to look at to see if we're winning or losing. Like you're on the battlefield, you can look. I don't want to get gory or anything, but you can look and be like, yeah, we're taking the loss here. But that is, Mason, that's a great point. So, okay. So you're seeing premiums go up pretty high because of costs going up across the board because of, like, this is the thing about inflation. Let's talk about this for one minute, Mason. You're a pretty sharp guy with numbers. <laughs> People don't realize inflation is, <laughs> it's like the trick. Remember the trickle down effect? We were trickle down economics we were talking about in, in grade school with um, Republican stuff. Inflation starts actually reversed. It actually starts, it hits the people worse at the bottom. And then Mm -hmm. it rises the top because the people who have businesses can raise their rates. But then the people who are making the money, like, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Some of our employees, if they're having to drive a decent amount away, that gas price is going to eat right into their paycheck. It does nothing except eat into their paycheck. So, and it hits, like I said, it hits people, like the people first, not businesses, I feel like. I know businesses have the ability to change their pay structures. Um, what do we do? What What are you guys hearing in your circles about where does this end? Where does, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? As, as far as inflation, prices, inflation? In, inflation relative to business. Like you're talking to, you talk to more business types owners than anybody, a lot of, not not anyone. So I wanted to hear your personal, like, where does this end? Is this a political issue? Is this a world crisis issue like we're having? Like, is this uh, shortages? Like, what are you hearing the most? And like, where are people saying they think there's a light at the end of the tunnel? You know, I I feel like I'm the Grim Reaper on this podcast today. I, right, let's I, from do what it. I've heard, it, it's it, there hasn't been you know a 
a set date of saying, hey, July 1st of 2022, mm-hmm. inflation is going to level back out. But it's just like anything else in, in the economy, whether it's premium rate changes, whether it's just your overall 401k health, whatever it is, there's ebbs and flows. And we've experienced this type of inflation before in the United States. Um, but, you know, I wish I could say we're going to we're going to flip the switch or we're going to put this in action or amend this or however you want to phrase it and say that inflation is going to take care of itself. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, there's so much volatility in the market just coming out of a post-COVID world where yeah. our economy nearly crashed. Yeah. Um, and just seeing how it's regulated. You know, I'm a part of a CFO council here in Charleston that meet, meets uh, once once a month on a Wednesday morning. And it's, it's just a group of probably 60 or 70 CFOs from middle to large size companies here in Charleston. And, and hearing what they say in, in the market and how it's all being how it's all fluctuating, um, a large part of what's going on is the job landscape has completely changed. Mm-hmm. You know, the remote world is totally different. So not that it plays a role in the inflation, but that you could have somebody that joins a Los Angeles company work remote in South Carolina. Right. Um, and just seeing the volatility and sense of now we have NFTs. Now we have cryptocurrency. Now we have like the Reddit users driving up stock. Right. So now we're what what I hope we take from this this inflation and the recent new economic developments is people drive the market as they always have but we just didn't know it. Like we just had this conversation I me Chris and I had this conversation the other day about it's going to take the people deciding we're going to do something about this whether we all say like let's say a social media trend went on said stay home for a week hashtag stay home right and no one bought gas for a week you think the gas prices will stay high you know it's funny i have a good friend who played football at south carolina he's in the oil and gas industry if you knew actually how much oil and gas is in the world you'd be absolutely baffled that you have to pay four dollars a gallon yeah i was hearing that about reserves the other day yeah. There's absolutely plenty of it. It's not a supply issue. <laughs> it's it's the same thing the wood industry did. You want to hear I heard a crazy story. Um I, I'm in landscaping one of my businesses and we do a lot of work with home builders. And you know how home prices have gone through the roof um the last three years. And remember how you know wood went up crazy and went like three hundred percent or whatever it was? I was told by all these home builders that it, it was not a wood shortage at all. Basically, all the main wood manufacturers, lumber, excuse me, I keep saying wood, lumber manufacturers are all, all the owners are basically friends because it's not a huge, like a huge market, right? There's like only a handful, a dozen, whatever of large manufacturers, right, Mason? And the room, the the story was that they all got together basically. And I'm not, I'm going to say this as like an analogy, but like in a room with wine and cigars, I'm like, Hey, why don't we all just raise our prices together and get filthy rich? And they basically like banded together. That was the story I was told from all these people who buy hundreds of millions of dollars of lumber every year is it was not a shortage. It was nothing except they all realized we hold the monopoly within six of us or whatever the specific number is. And let's all go up together, raise our rate together. That's what I was told. And that sounds like what you're saying a little bit could be happening in a lot of industries. And that's what freaks me out is, not freaks me out, but what, what I was saying, power to the people thing is like so many of us common people, people who are day-to-day middle class, 
we just keep buying it no matter what they do, right? Prices go up, we just do it. Prices go uh vacation goes up, we just do it. And like there's gonna have to be a two week period where we all just do something I feel like radical. Yeah, I mean, you know, to touch on the on the lumber situation a little bit more, so <clears throat> we, you know, in South Carolina we they're we do focus a little bit on the lumber industry and the timber industry as a whole. And what we saw was, especially in the Northeast area, the restrictions of COVID uh-huh. wasn't allowing these lumber mills to operate at a hundred percent. So we had, they had lumber sitting on the yard. We couldn't get somebody, they couldn't get their full capacity to get the lumber through the mill, process it, and then put it into, into Lowe's or Home Depot, wh- wherever you buy your lumber from. And then you run into another issue that we just on earlier that there's a trucking shortage. Yeah, the trucking is a, a huge shortage. issue. So if if we can, you know, what a time it is to be a somebody with an entrepreneurial spirit and wants to become a truck driver. Yeah, you it, make it, six it, figures all day. It, it's unlimited. It's whatever you if you want to. I mean, it's somewhat limited because of DOT regulation, but it, it's unlimited in terms of where you can go with it. Right. Yeah, you're you're right about that. All right, now let's go specifically into, you you talked about the analysis. What does that mean for the common business owner who's doing 150, like not a side hustle, I'm talking about a business owner, 150K to $1 million company. How does that affect, what should they be doing differently um, because of this market intensity? That's a great question, Alex. I think that that is, it's a layer, there's a layered answer to be had here. I think first and foremost, when you're looking at an insurance buying process, I think that, you know, folks that purchase insurance within that realm that you just mentioned, they, they view it as a commodity. They say, oh, I just need the lowest price and I need the, the least expensive insurance I can get so that my operating margin is higher and my job costing is lower. And unfortunately, an insurance is give and take. Any knuckle dragging broker can bring you a quote that's cheap, but do we want to sit at the scene of a, of a, of a claim and tell you what's uncovered? Absolutely not. That's not the guy that I want to be. Sure. So what I encourage business owners to do is do their homework, do their due diligence, interview brokers, and then pick the broker that you think that not only brings the insurance knowledge to, to your company, but also brings the market space. So once you've, once you've kind of accomplished that, then you can approach the market with, I call it a one quarterback system. <laughs> and I you have <laughs> you have one quarterback system where you have one broker telling the story, mm-hmm. one broker going to all of the different carriers that has access to all the different carriers and can control the narrative. In addition to that, I would say approach your insurance buying early. So right. much of the insurance buying process is done within the last two weeks. Right before renewal, we've got to get certifications out. Just get it off my table. And in certain situations, we feel like we've got a gun to our head saying, hey, either buy this insurance or you're uninsured. Mm-hmm. If I were a, 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 a business owner right now, I would hire the broker based off of a professional set of criteria. Who I think could do the best job, knows the insurance market the best, has the market space, and is willing to be proactive and come in and handle renewal 90 to 120 days out. Here's the problem. This is I'm so glad you said all that. 99% of the people I described, whether they own a small business or service and trades focused, have no idea what it means to hire the best person. They, when, when you got, when this is, this is something interesting. And I think a lot of guys are going to echo me as I'm saying this, 
I have learned a good bit about it, but it's taken a lot of time to cut through that that glass, so to speak. I, you guys in the insurance uh, industry, Mason, something that could be helpful is putting it in more in layman's terms. Hey, here's what this means. Here's what you get when you do this. Putting it in like a bullet point list because you get that big packet, right? I actually just filed a packet I got from somebody who came in to try to do a renewal with us. This packet was 22 pages and it didn't say anything. You know, it was, when I say say anything, I, it was hard to understand what the summarization was. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and you know, there's, so every what, broker what is I'm different. Sa- well, what I'm saying is though, is that so many people listening to the show or out there, they just do the two, hey, I need to get recertified because it's hard to really understand what this landscape of this business means. Like, I mean, I know that if I can give a good example that's common terms, we have general liability, we have an umbrella policy, which covers us extra for these home builders we serve. Let's say we took a lawnmower through one of the board, let's say they were framing a house, right? And they took a lawnmower or a piece of equipment through one of the boards and somehow it took the house down. We would be covered for the loss, you know, all the damages that they caused, which I'm sure would be lost wages, all that stuff you do, Mason, hundred grand, right? Well, instead of being, instead of being bankrupt, my business would be bankrupt literally overnight. I'm covered and I've got the ability to stay open. But, I, but so many, like that example, I think if that example was shared more often, people would be like, oh, that makes sense. So that's something I feel like is missing a lot of times, not necessarily from you at all, but in this industry that you're in, because I've talked to four or five over the last tw- two years, and it's just like, can you give up, give me a simple example of why I need it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, Alex, I think you're, you've, you've nailed it right on the head. And what I, where I think, and I'm going to be critical of my own field here, sure. where I think that brokers are not doing a, a great job or doing a disservice to their clients is one, transparency. Be transparent. What does this actually mean? Tell me in your words, give me an example in my field of mm-hmm. how this works. Right, exactly. And two, they, they focus so much on premium. They focus so much on help, their own commission. Yes. They're worried about themselves. And there's a little saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And a part of a part of what I do and where I think that you know brokers can be better is be a coach, mm-hmm. be an educator. Be don't an educator. don't be a salesperson. Be an educator because a lot of business owners, you know, especially in the space that we were just describing, this is new to them. They haven't purchased insurance before. They don't know what it means. And and you do. So be a coach. Put it in layman's uh, terms. Yeah, I like the educator and, piece. Yeah, be an educator to, mm-hmm. to, to your clients. What, um, this is one the last point I'll have on this and we move on as we wrap it up, Mason. What, what you, you're, you're hinting on it, but like, I always feel like I know, like what gives, what, what makes you fight for better pricing when you're negotiating with, uh, with carriers? Because in my, like, I know you're, you as a person of integrity, but you guys get paid more if you get more premium. So it's like, I feel like there's some distrust on the consumer side because what we want a better rate, but we also know if we get a better better rate, you don't get paid as much. So how do you find that? Like you were saying, like, hey, here's some criteria. Make sure you have someone you trust and you know. 
how can you guys help build trust with the common business owner in that realm of fighting for you for a better rate? You know, I think that that that's a part of the transparency piece that I was I was just mentioning to you. So what I do for my clients, and I can only speak for myself, that, that's what, what I do I'm for asking. my clients yeah. is is I show you year after year. I say, Alex, here are the markets that we went to. Here are the results that our efforts our our efforts netted us. And if you have a broker that is short sighted and is looking at their commission year to year to year, because honestly, I would be happy to take a lower commission and have your business twenty five years than to take a higher commission and only have it for five. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's it's building that not only business trust, but emotional trust with your clients and letting them know that you're in it for the long haul. You're here to help their business grow because, you know, if I can, it's, it's a double-edged sword. And we talk about us getting paid and I'll, and I'll hit the nail on the head here. If I'm able to provide you with savings on from a premium perspective, mm-hmm. especially work comp in your particular field of landscape, yes, you can job cost better. For sure. And so if you can job cost better, you become more competitive in your realm. Right. If you're more competitive in your realm, your business grows. If your business grows, your insurance premiums grow. And therefore, I get paid more. I like so it. it's not it's it's about taking care of the client first, and then building a relationship over time. Yeah, and and that's man, you couldn't have worded that any better. And you, it made me feel amazing to hear that because I feel the same way. It's like not enough people. I don't like the term the long game necessarily, but no one sees the ripple effect of today's decisions enough when it comes to stuff like this. We have um, I could tell story after story, but. We've played, I, I, I feel the exact same way. And I, and I hope our listeners today, Mason, as they hear you talk about that, when their GL, you know, their insurance agent calls them, if they're not saying the things that you just said, and I'm not saying this, guys, because Mason's on the show. I mean, literally, he and I did not go over these answers before the episode. That's the type of answer that you need to hear um, when someone's coming to approach you uh, with with a renewal or a signing on a policy because Mason you're right it is if it's it's so it's almost like backward sales right it's like well if I help you grow your business I'm going to do better so it's my benefit to actually get you less premium now so that over time I mean it's just, exactly it's reverse sales it makes total sense so love hearing that make sure guys make sure someone is saying that to you in your corner Mason do you have any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up this episode on you know how people can protect their businesses better, maybe uniquely. Um, actually, we didn't hit on this. Quickly hit on why people need to have true workers comp and not a ghost policy and explain what ghost policy means to our listeners who don't know what that means. So a, a lot of times, you know, if you're a contractor or if you're, you know, in, in a business owner and you have a smaller, uh, a smaller outfit, a ghost policy is typically less expensive. Um, than it is to actually list your payrolls or if you're a 1099 or however it may work. Um, but in in a world where you do have a true work comp exposure, whether you're in the services, the trades, whatever it is, is highly recommended to have a legitimate, true yes. workers' compensation policy. It's going to better protect your business from several different from several different avenues uh, of what can happen. And, and people don't realize that there's there's a multitude of different layers of workers' comp insurance. And that's mm-hmm. what typically why it's so expensive because it just, there, there are, it's an unlimited amount of, of uh, not unlimited amount of coverage, but it, there's so many different parts and pieces to it that we don't necessarily see. Yeah. So if, even if you're 
on the fringe of maybe really needing it, because some states only require you to have workers' comp if you have over a certain number of employees, I highly advise getting it. I know it's more expensive, but it's going to protect your business better in the long run. It does. I'll tell you really quick, a uh, uh, trueness of that. One of my friends has was in a true, he was in a truck, got flown out like a guy was driving. He was the passenger working for a large company here in Columbia, I think approaching 100 employees. Um, dude fell asleep at the wheel wrecked my friend was flown out the windshield this was two and a half years ago mason he's still fighting with workers comp they still haven't settled because the workers comp company that this company uses represents is absolutely incompetent horrible people and they had like you said bad coverage excuse me bad coverage and now he's in big you know he's been two and a half years out of work because he hasn't settled this and so we work with um currently we have a, a guy we do our workers comp with that's been terrific but I, I'm with you 100%, Mason. Like, there's so many nuances to workers' comp. And, guys, just like layman's terms, workers' comp protects you. If one of your employees gets hurt or injured on the job, it doesn't sink your business. Workers' comp protects your employee, pays for the, you know, their payroll and pays for their th- uh, their money while they can't work um, and recoups them some costs of lost, lost wages and, and damages and stuff like that. Um, is that a pretty good summary, Mason? Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's almost like an employee benefit. It really it yeah, does help it is a lot like of an your employee employees. Benefit. That's a great. It, it does it does help your employees get back on their feet. Um, that's a great point. But you know, one thing that you're looking at, you know, and I encourage this: if if the employee can get back to work, you should. One thing that a lot of business owners don't know is that if you get an employee back to work within five days of the injury, you get a seventy percent discount on what hits your actual worker. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Five days. We, you know, at Trifecta Mason, we've had only, we've never had an injury, praise God. We've had a few stitches is the only thing we've had. Um, But I feel so much more peace knowing that whenever that day comes, if it does, that we'll we'll be protected. So, guys, um, make sure you're doing that. But again, Mason, any final thoughts on talking about how to protect your business? This has been a great episode. I appreciate you. Anything that final you want to say to our listeners since you're you're an expert in the field? And uh, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so I, what I would say is, uh, you know, obviously partner with a broker that you can trust and that, that you think that uh, not only has the market space, but has your best interest at heart that's going to fight for you. Um, and if you can, if you, if this podcast has shown you that I, that I'm that guy, then great. Uh, you can find me. My name is Mason Zandy. I'm here in, in, in Columbia, South Carolina. I work for Brown and Brown insurance, but, uh, that's it, man. I really appreciate you having me. You're welcome, Mason. Where, what email address can people hit you up on? Yeah, you can find me at Mason dot Zandy, Z-A-N-D-I at com. Perfect. Well, thank you, Mason, so much, man. This has been helpful. I, I hope and pray, guys, that as you listen to this episode, that you're inspired. Even though this is not necessarily an attractive conversation, uh, you're inspired to make a change in your business so you can protect the thing you've spent so much effort, time, and focus on building. This is the Down to Business Podcast, guys, where we talk about how to help you in the areas of business, business, finance, and marketing. I'm Alex Kirby, and we'll see you next time. And thank you, and have a blessed rest of your day.